0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Mark Steiner Show. We're about to have a conversation with David Miller. Once again, it's been a while since he's been with us. He is an author and an activist and a thinker. Somebody who's been working around issues of young men and families and incarceration and much more. He's creator of Dare to be King LLC and has a new book out called The Green Family Farm, a children's book. And David, welcome back. Good to have you with us, man. Thank
1: you, Mark. Thank you for having me. It's been a while. It's been a while. Too long. Definitely, definitely. Too long. It's definitely. really good to have
0: you here. So let's talk about this. It was so funny. I uh, tell our listeners this inside joke. Then when I, when I first saw the book on your Facebook page, mm-hmm. I thought it was about this family in Brooklyn, Maryland, who were starting right. a farm. But no, it's a family that you made up right, right. from Brooklyn, New York.
1: Brooklyn, New York, Brownsville section of, um, of Brooklyn. And so one of the reasons why um, this is my second children's book, um, I decided to, to somewhat take a shift in the work is I've been very inspired by Walter Dean Myers. And um, before Walter Dean Myers, and for many of you who may not know Walter Dean Myers, right, right. It was a prolific um, writer. He just transitioned a couple months ago. But I had an opportunity to meet uh, Walter Dean Myers. My children, who are fans of his work, had a chance to meet him. Walter Dean Myers published over 85 books, children's books, uh, both children's books and books. For teenagers, and I've just been so blown away by his legacy. On one level, but then on another level, how uh, difficult it is in the space of children's books and children's literature to find diversity. That um, I decided a couple of years ago that this is going to be uh, a path uh, that that I'm going to uh, explore in terms of um, working to produce high-quality uh, diverse children's
0: books. So, so, but why? I mean, what's the, they, they, There's a major issue here facing America with children's books that we don't often talk about.
1: Mm-hmm. I think, Mark, it, it's a combination of in in the space of literature, publishing houses not necessarily understanding diversity and having um, editors and folks who work on even some of the major um, brands, whether it's you know Simon and Schuster or Putnam or some of the bigger companies who just don't understand our community, they don't understand the Latino community, they don't understand the Native American community and other uh, diverse communities because it's reflective when you look on the bookshelves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that while there's a lot of discussion, there's a Twitter campaign called We Need Diverse Books, but even within that campaign, you don't see a lot of movement. And there's some some really great stories that need to be told that young people uh, would be interested in. I've been told by folks in, at publishing houses that the black and Latino community do not read, and so it would not be a good investment
0: uh, to produce. When people told you this when you went to them with your books? or When, I, or, when or... I've
1: gone to them with books, I'd book ideas. When I've when we've had off-the-table conversations about what is it going to take, and, and I find that conversation to be uh, ridiculous because whenever I go... To a school. My first children's book was Khalil's Way, a story of an 11 year old, really highly smart.
0: For older kids, right? For this older means- kids. That was right. a book
1: for older kids. <laughs> um, I walk into a, a school or community center, I'm treated like a rock star because the young people are just so amazed to meet an African American male writer. Even while I'm doing a book talk, the young people have, have already literally jumped into the book. They're not even paying attention to me. As I'm telling them about the book, because they are so eager to read a book and look at illustrations that look like them.
0: So, and I think that's also a critical piece of this. I mean, I, I remember um, Paul Coates, our mutual friend, once said we had a meeting when we had a conversation about this on the air. But Paul said, "I don't worry about there not being enough books. We just have to publish them."
1: Right. And uh, and, I, and uh, I think I think right? Paul Coates' mantra is really really spot on that we just can't wait. For anyone else, we can't wait for a major publishing company, Scholastic or any of the other major publishing houses that deal with um, particularly children's books. We have to do it. I mean, I'm, I talk to young, inspiring authors monthly who are interested in getting books out. And I just work with um, two, um, one local Misha Sutton. She's a local assistant principal. Uh, she has a new book coming out and a brother, Kenny Braswell, out of Atlanta. Um, I convinced them to jump into the space because they both had very interesting stories that I know children would be interested in reading.
0: So let's talk about this, this book for a moment. So tell me, what was, tell the listeners the story of this book and this family, this family farm. This. So
1: I, I have been um, very optimistic about the sort of urban farming movement, and I have had a chance to visit um, a number of urban farms in Baltimore, and have talked to a bunch of people across the country, and I've just been um, super excited that we are taking, um, that we're making food and nutrition a priority, and that we're really looking at, you know, farming as a way to improve the health and nutrition in communities, but at the same time, um, folks like Denzel in Baltimore, Denzel Mitchell, um, have created family businesses, and he's using, you know, the money that he's making to take care of his family and actually, you know, hire his own children to help work um, in the farm, and so it was just really struck by um, sort of this new renaissance, if you will, of urban of urban farming. And I decided it would be good to uh, to do a book. I mean, I'm always thinking of um, creative stories, and so I decided that I would literally create a family. It's called the Green Family. They're literally living in the heart of uh, Brownsville, section of Brooklyn. And because mom and dad realize that they're living in a food desert and they want to they wanna be able to produce fresh fruits and vegetables for their own home, but they look at the surrounding community and realize that there's a void, they purchase a small plot of land literally across the street from their house and they begin to start um, a life of urban farming and initially they're able to get some contracts with uh, some farmers' markets in Brooklyn and some of the other surrounding boroughs.
0: So when you write a book like this, what do you hope it does? But, I mean, I mean, part of it, I know, is having a black voice and black writers bring things to children in this country so they can see a different perspective on life. Right.
1: So, so a couple of things. One is to begin to share with young people the power of telling stories. Uh, the second thing is to really create books that are fun, that are interesting, that excite the reader and that have really good illustrations. For this book, I selected a uh, local illustrator. Uh, his name is Kiroji Patrick. He actually lives in Silver Spring. But I really wanted to bring to life very rich images of a black family literally in the dirt, um, you know, harvesting zucchini and cucumbers and fresh fruits and vegetables, because I thought that it really sends a very, very clear message about um, about food, as well as about um, lifestyles and, and and lifestyle changes.
0: So I mean, and so I mean, it's, it's, this is an important piece because this is becoming a movement across the country more and more. And you don't hear much of this. We do it on our show on our lot, but you don't hear a lot about. The young black farmers and families taking over farming in in, in both rural and in right. and in urban communities. I mean, so this is and this. I mean, so part of this is also a kind of inspirational piece. Yeah,
1: right? yeah, and 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 it also um, when I when I start doing uh, book talks and 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 book signings, also going to bring into to part the role of black farmers mm-hmm. because I know that that's a conversation that has been. Um, Talked about. I know you've done some some stuff over the years, but we're losing so many black farmers due to lack of support, and so um, you know all of those things kind of made me decide that this was the next uh, book project that I was going to work on.
0: So now, so the book, but it's not yet published, right? You're about to publish it.
1: No, it's it's it's, it's out. It's, is it out there? It's at it's at the printer now. Um, it will be on uh, Kindle for those who like to do the Kindle thing. I you know, really don't like the e-books per se. I really love I like holding the page. A book.
0: Yeah, me too. I like
1: the spine of a book. Um, but we're taking pre-orders now, and um, the new book will be – we'll start shipping on like the 17th of December.
0: But part of the children's books, A, library, you have to get these in libraries. Yes. Right? Um, and schools. Yes, yes. And that's going to be mm-hmm.
1: – that has been even with my other book, other children's book, Khalil's Way. Our, our scope has really been – um, schools and libraries, and so we tar- we specifically target schools. I mean that that that's sort of our niche market right there. I mean, we, you know, we'll we'll do a couple of book festivals here and there, but our niche is to get them, and particularly for this book because this book is for young readers, first through fourth grade, um, elementary schools, um, and even uh, learning centers. I mean, and and of course, libraries is our targeted niche.
0: So I'm curious, you know. I've, I've, this is a new world for you, and mm-hmm. I in, in Khalil's way, and now this new book, and you yes. want to kind of really make serious effort in in writing more children's books, um, and I and I, uh, it just makes sense because there are so many, because of what you said, there's been this dearth, a lack mm-hmm. of published books, especially by black authors, native authors, Latino mm-hmm. authors, about four children,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: with that in terms of bringing that world to life, that just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But I'm curious about your uh, the work you've done over the years. We've met together before with your work around right. fathers mm-hmm. and, and children and your work uh, in Ghana mm-hmm. uh, that you've been doing, teaching that when you go to the village in Ghana. We mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. run, a, run a summer camp in Ghana for children um, 5 through 15 years old. And actually, a book that I have coming out in, in March will be in both English and in Twi. It's sort of a loosely configured story about a little girl I met in um, the village. Um, it's called uh, Timber Junction. It's probably about 140 miles outside of Accra. And so the book will be in both English and in Twi. And the, the sales from the book he, that I'm, you know, that I do here in the U.S. will help continue some of the work that we're doing in Ghana. But I've already identified some folks who are going to um, translate it into Twi. And um, have already been to one of the major, the Ghana Central Library in downtown Accra, had a conversation with, with folks there. And so really looking at um, both doing some books um, for children, both here in the U.S. and going to be doing some books um, initially in, uh, in Ghana.
0: So I'm curious, the work you've done, that work in Ghana, the work you've done around the country speaking yeah. and working with, with groups and working with kids and, mm-hmm. and fathers. How much has that informed, inspired, pushed you into this new world? What's the connection?
1: You know, the connection is that, um, like I've been, I've been really blown away when you look at the the, the data on literacy. When you look at, um, particularly if you aggregate the data uh, based on race and then aggregate it based on grade or grade level, um, African American males are only reading nationally um, by eighth grade. Uh, uh, only twelve percent of African American males. Are proficient in in literacy or in reading by eighth grade, according to the National Assessment for Educational Progress. Um, you see a strong correlation between young men who are currently in prison and um, their school experiences, and so I think literacy and books is a is a serious connection if we really want to disrupt the school to prison pipeline. You know, getting books. in in the hands of of young people is really, really, really important. And I just see this as an extension of a lot of the work that I've done over 20 years.
0: I mean, because it does seem connected to me. That's why I'm curious. Because when you you work with young people, work with families, work with fathers and children, I mean, um, A, see the difficulty that many of the fathers you might work with have in reading to their kids, sharing Mm -hmm. books with their kids, Mm -hmm. and also just, as you said, finding the absolute the, the, the lack of books written right. by black people right. about right. black children.
1: And it's interesting because I've done two major presentations in the last couple of months around getting fathers involved in reading to their children. And so, um, again, a lot of it is lack of um, conversation with families around the power of reading. I remember when my children were very young, I could not go to bed without reading to them because they would not let me. They would they would they were so excited (laughs) about books because we introduced them to books at a very, very early age. And so, you know, you mentioned, Mark, you mentioned libraries. I think libraries are one of the crown jewels. When you look at the Pratt Library, one of the crown jewels in Baltimore. But I think most of the libraries across the countries are underfunded and underutilized and could do a lot more to address issues around literacy and family development, and so uh, this is going to be a major push for me in terms of the writing, and also working with other um, writers who have great stories because there's some phenomenal stories. I actually just wrote a, 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 a teen novel set in Cherry Hill, at Cherry Hill in Baltimore. That's done. I'm shopping currently shopping it around to see if I can get a deal. My deadline is probably March or April of next year. If I don't get a contract, then I'm going to self-publish it. But it's a story of uh, Khalil, I'm sorry, Caleb Coltrane Simpson. He's an 11-year-old boy living in Cherry Hill. His father's a jazz musician. His mother's a nurse at University of Maryland. And they take him to a community association meeting to look at some of the issues in Cherry Hill. And this is an 11-year-old boy who's upset because the adults are arguing in the meeting and he decides that he wants to run to be president of the Cherry Hill Neighborhood Improvement Association <laughs> and the adults are saying you're too young they laugh at him but with the support of his parents how old is he he's 11 he's 11 and so he really wants to be actively involved in advocacy and engagement in the community and literally he runs a campaign to become president of the Cherry Hill um, Neighborhood Improvement Association, and he's 11, with the full support of his family, and he, this little 11-year-old boy, is able to galvanize a section of Baltimore around doing better. And so, it's a novel. It's a great, it's a great piece. It's going to be illustrated by Jerry Craft, um, an African-American illustrator out of uh, Connecticut. And if you know, if we don't get the deal. Then um, we'll uh, we gonna put it out there, man. I sell books out the trunk of the car, <laughs> gas stations, you know. So,
0: so this like it's interesting your approach to this. You're not waiting for a book contract to be signed by some major no. publisher in New York City. No, you're just doing it.
1: I'm just doing it. And while I would like the contract, and I like the contract, not because of the money, because of the visibility and the exposure, which would allow me to get in get in get in position to reach so many more children. Um, but we're going to do it anyway, because even with Khalil's way, um, we sold 12,000 copies, which is more. We sold more copies um, than most people who have a deal with Simon & Schuster or Scholastic. And so, and the book is still, the book came out in toward the end of 2012. It's still doing extremely well. Um, schools across the country, I just had a big order from Jackson Public Schools in Jackson, Mississippi. They just bought another 250 copies. So I'm going to be headed back to Jackson in January to sign books. I mean, I'm just—I see the light go off in, 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 in children when we provide them with a culturally relevant text and a text that they can see themselves and a text that they really can identify with.
0: So w- what do you see— in, in 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 with this and but beyond this as as the solution as the way to answer this problem of literally almost li- illiteracy yeah. in inside the black community and in, in in especially by young men, yeah
1: I think it's um we got to do more work with um families, you know, I've had a number of you know mayoral candidates reach out to me. And the thing that I've said to them is um, a greater focus on family. I mean, I know you're going to talk about crime and uh, taxes and all of this, but I really think a strong focus on uh, family is is critically important, man. I just don't think that we'll be able to address um, what I call these academic deserts. I mean, we talk about food deserts. We talk about dropout factories, but... But I'm really concerned with these academic deserts. I visited two Baltimore City schools because I'm visiting schools all the time a couple of weeks ago and I was just once again just just you know got in the car and just shed a tear man by just the just the overall confusion that is going on. And I know we got a, a lot of great teachers, but they're overwhelmed and I think one of the reasons why they're overwhelmed is because a lot of children are not coming to school school ready. and so we got to work with families around literacy, And around, um, you know, around behavior. I mean, we cannot expect the school system to set up sort of this triage method of addressing many of the challenges that children are faced with. We got to do more with parents and literacy. um, If if a young man can read, and he is fluent, and he's reading at grade level, he stands a great chance of not going to prison.
0: Right. There's there's a real correlation. Yeah. Real real correlation. Serious correlation between that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but when you look at the data, many many of the boys. So nationally, twelve percent of African American boys are reading are, are considered proficient um, by eighth grade. In Baltimore, the number is like six percent, and these are not my numbers. I mean, you right. can go to the Shot Foundation. Um, there have been a bunch of articles written about literacy in Baltimore. I mean, again, Mayor Schmoke created. You know, Baltimore Reads, you know, a couple decades ago because of this issue of literacy.
0: So now you're doing this. This is your part.
1: Yeah, this is this is a man. I'm I'm so excited, Mark, when I walk into a school and and I'm talking to children about books, man. I mean, it's 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 an amazing experience, man. And the children light up even the children. I've had children come up to me and say, well, I'm going to struggle with this book. You know, what do you think? And, you know, I'll give them some suggestions, talk to the teachers. But even though some of them know that they may struggle with a book, they still want to read the book because they see themselves on the pages of the book.
0: That What you just said is part of the piece we don't get. Yeah. We've never gotten. Yeah, yeah. Not seeing yourself on the page of a book, not seeing yourself, your image in places that matter.
1: And and, and um, images and stories. So So my book, Khalil's Way... Again, eleven year old boy could do can do college level math, chess player, but he was living in a in a in a in a economically depressed section in New Orleans. Um, but he wasn't carrying a gun, he wasn't using drugs. So some of what I'm using these books to do is to change some of these images. Because a lot of the books, a lot of the a lot of the books that you do see that are written about black family life, right. even children's books. The lead character is he just got out of prison, he's 16, he's living in this neighborhood, and he doesn't know what to do. And so I'm I'm creating a whole series of books, very smart, um, young people who may be growing up in the hood. They may be growing up in a difficult section. They may be growing up in a Park Heights. Uh, the, the book that I have coming out later in 2016, the young man is growing up in in Cherry Hill. His family is together. And so, the, you know, mom and dad are together. Again, we continue to promote this narrative that black families are fragmented when that's not the case. Some are, some aren't.
0: Some are, some aren't. The argument, because it's such a popular mythology now, the whole problem of the, of the black community yeah, is the fact yeah. that the families are fragmented. There are no fathers around. Nobody cares. And so
1: and so every almost every man that I know that I do business with or that I'm cool with is married and has children. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know men. I don't know a whole lot of men who don't take care of their children. And so again, this 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 myth. And again, we 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 know that there are some men who are not taking care of their children. But I see so many men in Baltimore, in D.C., in Chicago uh, with strollers. Um, you know, later on next year, we're going to really get this campaign off the ground. Around working with men, teach men how to do their daughter's hair, you know. Because oh yeah, I remember we talked about that. We talked about that a we while ago. And so again, some of what we want to do in in the children's literature space is shatter the myth because even when you go to Barnes and Nobles and you look at all of the books on the shelf, it's hard to find books with fathers in those books. A lot of times the books are catered. Children's literature is really catered to women and children, so it's even hard to find. Right. Men of any color involved in parenting and, you know, doing all of that, you know, within children's literature.
0: Now, And this book, too, The the Green Family Farm. Yes. uh, Brooklyn's Finest, The Green Family Farm. It's also just an inspirational book in terms of a a, a family, a man taking control and saying, we have to feed our family. We have to feed our community. Oh, yeah. And and it's almost a how-to book. Yeah. In some way, because you, you talk about turning over the earth and right. how to make compost. and
1: Right. And we, we designed it in a way that um, we really want to start strengthening this idea around parent and child reading time where we where, um you know, we turn the television off and we just read. I mean, I just think that that's just a beautiful concept um, to expand on, particularly in the African-American community that everybody's not going to be in a separate room. Mom is in here with the iPad. Dad is in there with the remote control. The children, (laughs) one child is on the game, boy or whatever, and the other child. Really, really creating. I mean, I I would love to see if we could work with the Pratt just to create um, a movement around family reading time where you may not have to come to the library, um, you know, just because of your schedule, but to get parents to schedule time to just read together as a family. Because, like, so, for example, my youngest is 11. I always keep books in the car, so I'll look up. She reading The Souls of Black Folks, you know, a couple hundred pages. Then she'll ask me questions because she's so excited about reading because we started that when she was very young.
0: Right. So
1: she's she's read Up From Slavery, and she's only 11. (laughs) She read Up From Slavery
0: (laughs) when she was nine. Well, that that because... (laughs) Part of it is instilling the passion for reading, Mm -hmm. the the sheer enjoyment. And we beat it out of them by telling them that the only time we read is for this text you have to read and we'll give you a test. As opposed to really getting into reading good history, good literature, Mm -hmm. good stories Mm -hmm. that kids can then talk about and write about. This is what I thought about the book, creating a passion for the written word.
1: And even for adults, I know, Mark, you've had some phenomenal authors on your show. Um, you know, again, we again, if we want children to read, they need to see mom and dad read. Newspaper, magazine, pick up a book. Right. Um, I mean, we just need a we need a revolution as it relates to uh to books. And we have some good we have some phenomenal venues. Everyone's place is a, is a phenomenal venue to buy books. Yep. You got Red Emma's. I mean, so so it's yep. not like we don't have good places where you can get books. In many cities don't have a earth, uh, don't have an everyone's place, or Red Emmas or some of the other smaller book. Fan. Most cities don't have that,
0: and we we do have that. We have that. We have got normals around the corner from where our studios yeah. are. We got, um, uh, we've got the, the 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 Ivy Bookshop. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's a ton of bookstores here, right? That that are like small and place yeah. you can oh, sit yeah. and read a book and bring your family and sit, right, right. Yeah, it's very important.
1: It's critical. I mean, it's it's,
0: it's critical. I was thinking about children's books by my black folks, and I was the ones I just ordered a bunch because he wrote these books a long time ago. But Julius Lester. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's written a ton of incredible children's books, right? Nobody knows who he is. I, Rich history. Yes. Huge history. I, yes. I love Julius. He's just you know one of the founders and leaders of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and then. Mm-hmm.
1: I yeah. mean, there's some, and there's some, there's some phenomenal. Um, um, what they call YA or books for teenagers, historical biographies. Um, there are just some serious stories out here that um, people just don't know about. And so, you know, a lot of the work, um, you know, that I'm doing is really around um, capturing a lot of those stories.
0: So how do folks, if they want to find you in the book, how do we do that?
1: So um, you can go to my website, which is DareToBeKing.net. D A R E T O B E K I N G dot net, and the book will be in everyone's place by December the 17th.
0: And I could try it on the bookstores as well,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I usually mainly just deal with with um, everyone's place, but I would, you know, I'd like to do Red Emma's or whatever, if you could yeah. Make I mean, the connection, yeah.
0: The people just need to see these kind of books, people yeah, just have to yeah, have them, yeah, in their homes. No, that'd be good, and pick be good. it up. That'd be good. David Miller, I really appreciate all the work you do, man.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And
0: I deeply appreciate you stopping by today and downloading this new book. I'm excited about it. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thanks, sir. We have to take a break right here, but when we return, we'll be taking a trip down to Andy Musique in Mount Vernon with my colleague Robert Shahid from the Baltimore Blend, right here on WEAA. We'll be talking with jazz legend and pianist Stanley Cowell. He talks about his history in jazz, his experience working with Max Roach, and his performance in Baltimore this weekend. And we're going to hear what's in this week's City Paper. Don't go away. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Mark Steiner Show is brought to you by MeQ, Baltimore's credit union. Offering a full range of financial services, MeQ, Baltimore's credit union, is helping its members and its community prosper. When you invest in yourself, MeQ invests in you. For more information, www.mecu.com.